Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman's new studio, uh, video studio in downtown. Um, joining me this week, uh, Dale and Justin, who are off, joining me this week as my guest who's going to fill in for them, is uh, Clark Fraley, who's the executive director of Pastors for Oklahoma Kids. And Clark, uh, first off, thanks so much for your time and joining us for this week's episode. Thanks for having me. Appreciate and it. I want to talk to you about your organization. Okay. I also want to talk to you a little bit about just kind of the intersection of politics and religion, sure. which is a pretty prevalent issue in a lot of parts of the country, but especially here in Oklahoma. Right. Right. I feel like if we're going to really dissect Oklahoma politics, it's almost impossible to do so without uh, talking a little bit about um, religion, specifically the evangelical church uh, and just kind of its size and its impact here in Oklahoma. Let's save that for a little bit later okay. in the episode. But sure. Let's first start by talking about your organization, um, Pastors for Oklahoma Kids, which you are now the executive director of, right. a two-year organization. First, right. tell us a little bit about the, the, the background of this organization and, and kind of how we got to where you are right now. Sure. So it's a... Uh, just briefly, it's, it's a pretty cool story, but in 2016, um, I was kind of in the midst of working with local schools, and we were noticing their needs were changing from um, items that we wanted to donate at the beginning of the year, kind of like K-cups and things for teacher lounges, to they were saying, we don't have copy paper mm-hmm. early in the year. And so we would come in in the fall and say, how can we bless the school? That's all we wanted to do. We wanted to try to just help the school out. We don't have Kleenex. We don't have copy paper. And I thought, this is a weird transition. Why is this happening? Why are they running out of things they should be easily? Yeah. I thought, is this mismanagement? What's going on? You know, I didn't know yeah. as an outsider. And so I started telling my church. So we started doing copy paper drives and, and things like that. Um, and then in the wake of uh, a state question that we had at that time that was supposed to help funding because we kind of realized, okay, there's a funding crisis. 2016 rolls around. We this, realized that. That statewide the sales tax that would go towards right. uh, teacher pay and some other education right. funding. Yeah. And when that failed, and then kind of the rhetoric that came out of that, and at the same time, I should mention, there was uh, uh, some things coming out of a state rep that had said something in an email about atheist-based schools. There was also a pastor who'd written an article in the Tulsa World that had mentioned that you got to pull your kids out of schools. And I was thinking, this is not the Oklahoma I know, and these mm-hmm. are not the teachers I know. I mean, the teachers in our local public schools are in our church nursery working. They're teaching yeah. our kids on Sundays. They're our best volunteers because they're already community-minded. And I thought, boy, I have a big disconnect with this whole narrative that is all these public schools are terrible and all the people are just trying to uh, hurt our children and, and things like that. And so uh, I wrote a little response and got a lot of good feedback from folks saying, yeah, that's thank you so much. Teachers mm-hmm. saying thank yeah. you for standing up for us because no one seems to be doing that. And so kind of planted that idea in my head. Maybe there was something there for us to do. Um, but then in the failure of 779, definitely thought, boy, we're just not getting any forward motion on this. And so I reached out to a group in Texas that I'd heard of, Pastors for Texas Children. Uh, they had a pastor and groups of pastors that were advocating for public school kids. And he said, funny thing, in the email back to me, he said, yeah, I want to meet with you, but funny thing, there's a pastor out of Norman that contacted me today as well. Wow. Could you go down there and let's do a conference call? So three pastors, uh, one from Tuttle, uh, one from Norman, and myself, we all met, and we had this conference call with Pastors for Texas Children. And it was so interesting because we were serving different kinds of churches in different contexts, and we all had this shared vision of like, it, it felt good to be like, you're not crazy, right? Because yeah. I mean, at first I was like, am I crazy? Am I really seeing this? 
And then as we got into it, we had our first meeting, I think, in January of 2017, where we just said, uh, First Baptist Oklahoma City hosted us, and we just kind of put a call out there like, hey, if there's any pastors interested in this, we had about 50 people show up. And so we're like, okay, so we're not crazy, and this really is happening in a multitude of different kinds of Mm -hmm. contexts. We had pastors come from small towns. We had pastors come from the metro area. And we thought, okay, there's there's something to this. Maybe we need to be a, a positive voice. And that was really our first kind of beginning was just to be a positive voice in almost as a parry to the kind of uh, vitriol out there against our teachers and against our public schools that we just had a complete disconnect from that idea that that's what was going on in our public schools. Yeah, and and you've been active since then, uh, particularly during the teacher walkout. I mean, I remember, I think it was the the Sunday before uh, that uh, you and other pastors had led um, a prayer vigil at the Capitol, um, kind of, you know, in the eye of the calm before the storm that ended up being. Well, so that was actually halfway through. That was was the Sunday after the first week. Yeah, I I had... So I actually got the flu on Easter, so I wasn't there for the first part of the walkout. I came in, and we did that uh, halfway through. It was before the start of the second week. To the eye of the storm then. And yeah. it was. Yeah. It was. It was kind of trying to be, um, well, we just thought like 30 or 40 people would come, to be honest with you. I mean, we didn't have permits or anything, and I don't know about permits yeah. or anything. You know, I, I remember that night, the, uh, the Oklahoma Highway Patrolman saying, where's your permit? And I'm like... This, this is when I'm going to jail. This is going to be it. This is going to be my one time. So, uh, but no, it was fine. And a lot more people showed up even after we started. But um, it was intended to be, yeah, kind of just a, a breather to me. Just kind of a thing of let's, because there's, there's, I mean, you work in this and I am new to all this politics stuff, but just so much energy and everybody gets yeah. it. Just, and we, we forget to think about that we're really all working towards similar goals. It may not be the same goals, mm-hmm. but they're similar goals. And even in that week of walkout, you know, there's crazy things being said by all kinds of different people. And it was just kind of like, let's put the focus back on this. I mean, clearly we felt like we needed divine intervention to come up with a plan at all because there was gridlock. It just felt like, yeah. I remember saying that night, there's gridlock. And I wasn't, I just kind of introduced it. We had lots of other pastors pray and speak and sing that night. But I just remember thinking, we need something to break this up. It didn't feel like it was going to get broken up just by people talking at each other. Anymore. Yeah. Well, you're, you're right. At that time, it did seem like it was going to take a, a miracle, yeah. so to speak, <laughs> to, to end it. Um, you know, I'm curious, you know, you, uh, so, well, first off, you, now you are the executive director of this organization. Right. You guys have officially become a nonprofit. Uh, right. And, and so, you know, doing more to kind of organize yourself. What right. does that look like? So the biggest idea, I think, is to have a network approach is, uh, you know, we don't have dues or anything like that. We don't, I mean, you say nonprofit, but it's really zero anything right now, right? I mean, that's, we're more passion than anything. And the main idea is just to help pastors network across the state and help other pastors that kind of maybe felt the same way we did. Like, am I in this alone? Is there anybody rationally speaking out for our school kids? Because not to mention the teachers in our churches. There's hundreds of school kids in our churches, and we, we see the effects on them when they don't have proper resources. But the interesting thing I've found is whether you're suburban or urban or rural, all of this education, public schooling, really affects all those children in different ways, in profoundly different ways. But there are different things happening in those communities. And so it doesn't matter if I talk to a pastor in a, a small town, you know, uh, southern Oklahoma, or I talk to someone from Tulsa area, or I talk to someone in inner city Oklahoma City, or suburban context, they're all saying, yeah, we see a need here to advocate, to stand up for our kids. Um, especially when those negative voices were out there. Now, I would say the walkout definitely kind of soothed a little bit of that. It kind of got unpopular to be quite as ugly anymore. But uh, at the same time, there's still that 
kind of underpinning of what do we do about this and how do we help? And so we just want to be a positive voice to say, you know what, we have 700,000 children in public schools in Oklahoma. That's not going to go away anytime soon. And so when you overlook that or you push other things in front of that, what you're really doing is you're really cutting off the, the growth engine of your state. You're cutting off the moral choices of your state. We talk about that a lot. Uh, that this, these are things that are moral decisions as well. And so for pastors, it, it aligns with our understanding of theology, even of what we should be advocating for and, and doing in our state. Yeah. I'm curious for you, you know, to kind of get into the, more into the politics side of things. Okay. I mean, so there, you know, there are pastors who are involved in politics. And sure. There are some that are, you sure. know, they're, they're, sometimes it seems like their church is based right. around right. politics. Right. Um, there are some that stay away from yes. it as, as, as much as they can. Right. Um, how did you, how, how did, what was that process like for you, kind of <laughs> weighing into, into the, this? Because right. when you get into the political sphere, you are forced into boxes. You are forced you into the left or the right or yeah. Democrat or Republican. And I imagine yeah. you've, you've tried to, you know, communicate a bipartisan you know right. element but how how is that how successful has that been well I'm actually very partisan and so I'm just on the kids side of kids that's okay. what I always say so I'm like uh, we, we don't really care uh, what kind of party because as we've seen I mean if you really dig into this it doesn't really matter if you call yourself a Republican or a Democrat there's folks that have pushed terrible agendas on public education forever yeah. and so that is almost meaningless anymore um, it's really what are you, what does your voting record look like towards kids? What does it look like? What do you advocate for? And then I think you know we saw in the walkout. Um, how do you talk to teachers? How do you talk to your constituents? You know the, it was the things that were being said were just um, insulting and, and ignorant most of the time when you heard things being said in teachers' faces, and you're like these are the people that are wiping the little kids' noses. These are the kids that are being taken care of every day by these teachers, and you're treating our teachers that way. That's just ridiculous. It's not going to stand. So. In order to answer your question a little better, though, uh, you're right. It's, uh, I mean, do I, I, hopefully I, I come across like that. I'm a novice in this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally different and new, and I'm not good at politics, and I probably never will be, right? Uh, that's not something that I'm interested in. Uh, and so as an advocate, I have the freedom to do that. And I also realize we have an incredible freedom because we get to stay in one wheelhouse mm -hmm. that we're very connected to. Uh, you know, we talk about this idea of, of churches and families and local public schools as being kind of the core of communities in Oklahoma, no matter the size. Yeah. And so we're innately tied to that system of understanding of what community looks like and what it's all about. So when you talk about that, for us, it's not difficult to advocate for children. Um, boxes as far as politics, I, I would agree that there's a real uh, danger, I think, there of bidding pushed one way or another. And of course, it's a lot easier for our critics to say, well, you're this or you're that. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of sit back and chuckle because uh, those just kind of fall off of us like water because we know who we are as pastors. Mm -hmm. We know, and people know us. They know our track records in these towns of taking care of people, uh, meeting physical needs, meeting spiritual needs. So the insults that, that might come out or something like that about, you know, well, you're a left group or you're a right group, whatever, none of that really matters to us because we know what our mission is. And we're, I would say that's one of our strengths and that I've found is we're really well-defined as to what we're doing. Pastors for Oklahoma Kids is, you know, looking out for these kids things. Uh, we're looking out for children. And as a result of that, the teachers flow into that because mm -hmm. the teacher is right there with the kids. So, uh, you know, I think it's very easy to define that. We have folks from mainline churches, we have folks from liberal churches, and we have folks from very conservative churches all working on the same thing. Which to me, I always think, I, I'm telling people that's amazing because you don't see that in anything yeah. hardly. I mean, yeah. 
even in even in doing good things usually uh, projects where you want to do missions work or something you hardly ever see all three groups working together so to me um, I'm really excited about it because of that because we see uh, we have leadership in all of those realms working on one thing yeah. and to me that's really it's really interesting yeah and I imagine probably not a coincidence you're wearing a purple tie maybe <laughs> it is okay. just it's just okay. it's just a coincidence okay. yeah um, and, you know and, and a lot of times when when we talk about religion and politics right. I think more times than not, it's focused on kind of the kind of the extreme right element. Sure, and and that's not a you know a, a completely fair depiction of, of all people of all religious people involved right. in politics because you know you see you know there there are ministers who are Democrats that are serving in the legislature and right. you see churches that are like you said that are liberal or conservative. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when we talk about religion and politics, we're talking about social issues, uh, whether it's same-sex marriage, abortion, right. you know those kind of things. It's usually not so much involved in like tax policy, correct, and and funding and th- and right. that kind of thing. But you guys have kind of tried to inject religion a little bit into that, saying that you know we have kind of a moral imperative. I, I'm curious, how okay. well do you, how would you kind of talk about Oklahoma as a whole, you know, the religious community as a whole, which is diverse. But if we're particularly talking about that kind of evangelical strain mm-hmm. that's been a force in Oklahoma politics, has there been kind of a, a shift at all? Do you think, and what's uh, top of mind for them? I mean, are we seeing a movement away from social issues? Uh, to you know, looking at these issues of you know, sometimes that are referred to as social justice. I mean, how would you kind of talk about that? Yeah, so I think, um, I think for me personally, it felt like, it felt very eye-opening, and it continues to feel eye-opening just because um, I felt like I was keeping my head down and trying to do my job in my little zone, if you will, and I've talked to a lot of teachers that have kind of echoed the same thing. Keep our head down, do our job, do it as well as we can with the resources the state gives us, and I felt like, uh, as a pastor, and a lot of pastors identify with it as well, we're trying to do that same thing and kind of hope that everyone does the right thing up in Oklahoma City in order to make that all work together. And then when we kind of found out that wasn't true and we tried to have conversations with these people and they shut their doors or they mocked us or they just said, this is the way it is, you don't know what you're talking about, uh, that was very eye-opening. And so it continues to be eye-opening. I mean, there's we're learning things. Some of us, this is the first time we're learning some of these, uh, like the article series that you did on where Oklahoma's falling short. I think for me, that reading that, I was like, I had no clue the other areas were that hurting. Yeah. And if you want to talk about, you know, I think it's, it might be a little much to say that we're injecting religion into the budgeting process. But I think definitely what we're trying to do is say there's a principle taught even in the New Testament where Jesus says where your treasure is there your heart is also. He doesn't say that the money follows your heart. He says where your money is that's your your clear indication of where your heart really is. And so pastors I've heard them joke about that before, you know, you want to tell someone's priorities, don't ask them what their priorities are, but say let me see your checkbook and we'll show you what your priorities are. If we apply that principle, so we're not saying that's a mandate or anything. Mm-hmm. We have no budget vision for that no. other than to say that's a principle taught in the scriptures. And if we go look at our budget, then that is a moral document because it does say what we, we favor most. And so if we have a, a five or 10 year plan for roads and bridges, but we have no plan for our public schools, clearly we have our priorities out of whack to me. That's, mm-hmm. that's to me. And I think to most regular Oklahomans who are keeping their heads down, doing the work in their area and expecting everyone else to do the right thing. Yeah. I think that's kind of uh, what we hit on. Uh, and, and, that that story that I've told and talked about the different people that you know they just weren't paying attention in a lot of ways because they just kind of thought 
politics is its thing, education's its thing, the school's its thing, church is its thing, and mm -hmm. we'll all do the right thing and everything will work out. And then you find out some strings are being pulled and of, of course, uh, who knows how all that works, but you know, the, the folks that are up here definitely need to be able to have a conversation with the people back home and say, this is why I'm making decisions that are affecting your public school. This is why we're cutting funding in January that we promised you was going to be there in August or June mm -hmm. or July. And so uh, those conversations were not happening. And that's, and that's still concerning to me. Yeah. So uh, an, an email you sent me this week um, talking to me a little about the, <laughs> the, the formation of the nonprofit and your new role as executive director. I think you also referred, you know, you were talking about kind of your own, you know, background and, and you know, called yourself, you know, at least in somewhat kind of conservative on some issues, mm -hmm. theology, sure. stuff like that. Um, I, tell me a little bit about, I don't want to put you on, I'm going to put you on the spot about, okay. you know, what candidates do you support, right. what issues, and that right. kind of thing. I'm curious to get your perspective as someone, uh, you know, you're the pastor of, of Coffee Creek mm -hmm. a Church, um, which is located in Evan Evan. Um, would you, I mean, is this a, would you kind of characterize this as kind of a conservative, progressive, kind of a moderate? I, I, I have a, I'm going somewhere with this, but okay. I, I want you to kind of Our church. tell me a little about your congregation. Yeah, right. Your, yeah. So, I mean, we're a very interesting church. We're very different. We're a Southern Baptist church. Okay. So uh, all my schooling, you know, was here at OBU and then at Southwestern in Fort Worth and in Midwestern in Kansas City. So all of my uh, background is in Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist church. But at the same time, we have... Um, a lot of people from different backgrounds and so I don't know that we would call ourselves progressive or anything like that I don't yeah. think the titles work for us really but I would say uh, we're definitely open to having conversations and looking at people and looking at perspectives and saying how can we be involved in doing things that are good instead of just kind of sticking with a party line yeah. or uh, any groups line that tells us kind of how to be. Yeah, and so but, but being kind of part of the Southern mm -hmm. Baptist tradition, sure. which is definitely a big force here in Oklahoma, sure. I'm curious from your perspective how would like what what are the political conversations taking place in your congregation or kind of in your circle? How are how are people viewing you know this year's election? Once again, I'm not asking you to pick sure. a candidate for governor and that kind sure. of thing, but how would you kind of how would you explain the conversation that's taking place when you hear it, you know, in your congregation or you know in the homes that you visit sure. in kind of your circle? So I think the biggest thing that comes out of it, from what I've kind of understood and wrapped my head around, is no one's checking a box for a political party. We've kind of realized the emptiness and the bankruptcy there of saying, I vote one party, I vote one way. And I think there is a lot of people that are saying, you know, we've got to really listen to these people and hear where they're coming from and what their background is because we don't know anymore what the Republican Party is going to do, what the Democratic Party is going to do, and uh, Libertarian now on the ballot too. So yeah. it's like what what you stand for as a candidate may not line up exactly with what a platform is. And doesn't that make more sense anyway? I mean, that's where we're coming from is, mm -hmm. doesn't that make more sense anyway than having some national group hand the values down to us? I mean, as a Southern Baptist, one of the most interesting things about us, I think, is that we are different than other denominations. We're supposed to be from the bottom up led instead of the top down yeah. led. And so our automatic understanding is the autonomy of the local churches, right? So they, they stand on their mm -hmm. own. Um, I think most Oklahomans, at least that's my vision of being a lifelong Oklahoman, is that that's how politics is supposed to work too, from the bottom up. We're kind of uh, having leaders and electing leaders that are going to do the will of the people. Uh, when you hand a platform down and say everybody has to sign off on this, uh, to me that, that's a violation of that idea. It's a violation. And, and people say, well, it's for ease so that we can have a template of what everyone agrees with. If it's not working, clearly it's not everyone yeah. going to agree with that one that one concept. And so I would say there's things in the parties that they have picked on issues and things that are just not important to the folks back home. And there are some things that they're not addressing, clearly, education being one of those, that are very important and we're kind of 
beating our chest saying, why aren't you listening to us? Why aren't you hearing us on these issues? So to me, the biggest thing is just people aren't going to vote straight ticket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That they're talking about, I'm going to evaluate each candidate and I'm going to vote for the one that is going to represent me. Yeah. It's interesting. You can, can you say that? Because a lot of times these like social issues that have sometimes been the dominant force in how you know that part of the electorate right. voted um, are not, are a lot of times, not really that relevant to people's personal lives. Right. You talk about education, especially where you're right. from, and the local school is a big deal. A lot of people moved there, particularly right. for the local school, or right. deeply invested and connected to their local schools. That's true. Um, I mean, do you feel like that, is that a product of just kind of a, a new generation coming up? I mean, you've seen that shift intergenerationally, mm-hmm. or I mean, just how, how would, you know, what is the, what's the cause of that, do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, definitely with the 30 and younger crowd that we work with, you know, it's one of the interesting things. I, we had a group this last week, and I was talking about reading the paper and they were like what's a paper and they were joking but you know yeah. they i read it online or i read it on twitter or whatever and i was like no 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 you got to stay involved here uh, but the one thing that they're not accepting of is the authority from someone just because they have an elected office or even just because they're a pastor right so it's like uh they're not just accepting of authority the younger folks are wanting to say let's see what the proof is what is how are you proving that you are relevant how are you proving that you are worthy of that title or that office that i should even have any listening uh, i should give you any voice in my life and i think that's interesting and i think that is a shift uh we took uh for a long time, it feels like we took an authoritative view, authoritative view, and someone would say, well, this is who I am, this is the party I represent, so we'd say, okay, we have to just uh, agree with this person, no matter what their life looks like or if their actions back up what they're saying, uh, we just kind of go with it, and that's a different shift. I'm not sure that's going to happen soon, but I think uh, if, if the younger people will start voting, then I think that will happen more quickly. But what I did see that was interesting with the walkout, I think, is it used to be, I think you could say some of those things and get away with it and just be like, oh, well, that's old so-and-so. And we saw that's not, I mean, with all the incumbents that got knocked out, the people, some of the folks that were saying some of the worst stuff to our teachers, you gotta be at least respectful to these people, even if you disagree. That's, mm-hmm. I, I never have a problem with someone that disagrees with me. But I'm like, can we have a conversation? Yeah. Can we just talk about the ideas instead of name calling, instead of uh, labeling people? Can we have a conversation about the real ideas? Because there are real ideas to talk about, it's just sometimes people are fearful that their idea might not have as much support and it might not be as strong of an idea. And so I think a lot of time they default to, to name call. I mean, you don't call a teacher an extortionist if you want to have a conversation. You could say, look, I don't agree with them being here. But when you, when you go into that, it shows the weakness of your argument to me. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you guys, you and I are both in, you know, in the institution business, and you know, those are definitely somewhat under attack in some ways. Whether sure. we're talking about, sure. you know, legacy newspapers, or right. you know, the, the church, and, and a variety of ways, Absolutely. Or, you know, just authority figures. So yeah, I think that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting point. You know, finally here as we wrap up, I'm curious for you. Um, as you've gotten more involved in politics as, as a pastor, like what's been the cost for you? Cause, and I say that because I, you know, it was last week or a couple weeks ago before the runoff, and you know, I didn't even mention this yet, but uh, you know, you put out a video about mm-hmm. um, that there was, uh, you know, a national right. uh, pro-school choice group right. uh, that had, uh, you know, sent out a bunch of flyers right. and some races in your neighborhood, and, and you put up this video of just uh, wanting to find the answers. Actually, went to the address listed on right. there to try to get someone to, to respond, and it was kind of a, a, you know, kind of a clever way. Way of showing that you know we, this is an outside group, we don't know right. who's behind it, that kind of thing. As you're, as people know you, you know, still know you as a pastor, but right. also now know you as kind of a political activist in some right. regards. How you know how has that changed things for you? I think um, 
I think the most difficult thing probably is communication, is making sure that you communicate what the purpose is behind that. Because there is, there's some, there's some room for miscommunication. You know, what are you doing now? Is this, is this about uh, becoming a politician? I've had so many people, are you running for yeah. office? And I'm like, you know me. If you know me, you know I have zero interest yeah. in that ever. But um, yeah, with the video in particular, it was interesting because people were like, they, they mostly saw it as kind of this bumbling guy trying to go find out what is really going on and it was almost Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of revelation because I authentically didn't know what I was going to find. I thought maybe there would be someone locally here that I could talk to and just, I wanted to say, hi, I'm with Pastor for Oklahoma Kids. Yeah. You're a kids yeah. group apparently. Who are you? I've never heard. I've been doing this for two years. Yeah. I've never seen you. Uh, that didn't happen. And so, um, but you're right. I think it's stressful. I think it's I think people have to know you and know really what your intentions are. And then I think being very clear in communication that this is not about being partisan. It's not about, I mean, we don't support candidates or either party or anything like that, but putting out information and saying, look, this is really affecting kids, whether it's affecting urban kids or it's affecting suburban kids or rural kids in Oklahoma. Like this is, these are big things. And when people make these decisions, we at least need to make sure the voice of the people it's affecting are being heard. And that's really what, what we're trying to do. And, and as I said before, stand up for our teachers and things and just an unfair tax on our schools. Yeah. And finally, so how do you guys plan to be involved in this, uh, this election this year? Yeah. So, and, and back to the walkout too, again, you know, that wasn't expected. So that kind of, yeah. we had to shift everything at that point. Um, prior to that, I'd only been to the Capitol one time uh, that session and was just trying to be a voice for the 700,000 kids. So again, uh, advocacy, I think just, just keeping that at the forefront um, saying to our legislators, and especially with so many new folks coming in, mm -hmm. letting them know who we are and just letting them know, you know, we're there to just offer another perspective, another perspective on what our teachers are doing and the activity of our schools. And we're there to be, I mean, honestly, uh, Will Rogers said it that way to one time. He said, we can't all be heroes that some people have to sit on the curb and clap as the parade goes by. And uh, I think that's kind of our job is we're there to kind of clap on and and for the kids in the parade, for the teachers, and say, look at this good work being done. Look at, with the few resources we have, look at what's being accomplished, and what could we do if we really got behind them? Yeah. Well, this is definitely a time where we're seeing people who have not been involved in politics get involved um, in ways like right. you just talked about yourself. And, and during the walkout, I heard so many people say this was their first time at the Capitol, right. or at least the only time they've been right. here is to take wedding right. photos or something like that. So right. this is definitely, as we've talked about in this show before, a really interesting year for Oklahoma politics. And for sure. our, you know, we'll have to see in November what kind of election shifts we see, but the, the the involvement of people, especially those who haven't necessarily been deeply involved, um, is already really evident, right. and it's going to be interesting to watch uh, watch this year. So, uh, uh, Clark Fraley with uh, Pastors for Oklahoma Kids, thanks so much for coming thanks on the show. Me. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. Uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe we can get Dale and Justin to actually get back into the studio uh, with us. But uh, for the Oklahoman, I'm Ben. We'll see you next Friday.